Hi everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for Courageous Conversations podcast episode 12 and I am very excited to have the gorgeous Penelope Valentine from Property Alchemy with me. Hi Penelope. Hi Leanne, very excited to be here. Thank, Thank you, you so much me. for taking the time. You're welcome, I'd do anything to spend some time with you. Oh, aren't you sweet? It's true. <laughs> oh, you're too funny. Um, so Courageous Conversations, I know you have not that long ago started a new business. Yes, that's right. That would have taken some Courageous Conversations both in your head and also potentially with your husband. Yeah, look, it was. I think there was. it was a long time coming. I've really yep. wanted to do this for many, many years, but I don't feel like I was ready. So at the beginning of last year, um, the planet sort of aligned and I found an amazing business partner to work with yep. and I had a conversation with my husband. I'm very fortunate to have a husband that will back me no yes. matter what I want to do. You have got a gorgeous husband. He is. He's very supportive. Yeah. So we, we had a long conversation how we were going to do it, um, about how we were going to make it work. Financially, it was going to be very tough for me yep. to take a year with potentially no salary. It was yep. going to impact our family. So um, we made some changes and we made it happen. So my business partner and I launched our own business, Property Alchemy, and I have never been happier. Never oh, how good back. is that? It's really good. And yeah. I encourage anyone out there that are interested in doing it, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to speak to people about it. Yeah. It, it is a very difficult thing to do and you need to plan. I think that is my um, biggest piece of advice. Yeah. If you get all your ducks in a row and, and you plan everything that you need to do and you set goals, um, then, you know, you've got a really good chance of making it successful. And did you have any doubt, any self-doubt around Absolutely. doing it? Of course. Yeah. So how did you How did I that? work through that? Yeah. I think um, I wrote down the pros and cons a lot and thought, right, what are my weaknesses? Um, what's going to happen if this fails? Yeah. Um, but then on the flip side, I'm like, well, what happens if it doesn't fail and it succeeds? Yeah. Um, I had to be okay with failure and I guess I had to think, right, if we'll have a plan B if we need to. So it's about stepping out of my comfort zone and it really was because there's a certain level of vulnerability in having your own business because yep. it's about you your name's on the door um, if something goes wrong people come back to you sure and it really is about your reputation as well and I, I really take pride in my reputation for what I do and the expertise that I offer and customer service to us is everything and making mm -hmm. sure our investors um, walk away with a great experience is really important and yep. if somehow that went wrong I would feel personally, well, I would be personally responsible. And that was something that I was very fearful of. Yeah. But um, as they say, you have to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. So we did. We took the leap of faith. Yeah. Fantastic. And just to talk a little bit about your background before Property Alchemy, um, where – where did you start? So I started at McGrath, I think, 16 years ago. Wow. Yes. So I um, I worked with John. It's where I met my husband, which oh, was very nice. exciting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we worked with John and we um, set up the franchise groups of the franchise models before we franchised McGrath. Okay. Um, and then after that, I uh, had baby and then I went and I was a property manager for Ray White for a few years. Right. Then I was at um, LJ Hooker and yep. did all the events and um, training arm for LJ Hooker. Yep. Um, I've managed offices as well. Um, okay. I'm a general manager for real estate agencies as well. Yep. Uh, and then I co-founded a startup called Rent360, which was a an online platform to connect investors to uh, property managers. Yep. Um, and then here I am with my own agency. Yeah. So I've been in the industry for a long time. You'll know that. Yeah. We've known each other for a while. Yes. And uh, prior to that, I've um, I worked in hospitality for many years overseas, okay. and I did a 
before that I did a degree um, in psychology at Sydney Uni. Oh, I did not so, know that. Yes, yeah, there you go. There you go. So people have always really interested me and yep. going into hospitality um, and working over Europe in these massive big events yep. really gave me an understanding of how to work really successfully with people and sometimes people with lots of money and very big egos. Yep. Um, and so going into real estate was... <laughs> it was a natural progression. It was a natural progression. <laughs> you could say that. Uh, but yeah, after, you know, I've worn many hats within real estate, yep. um, but I've absolutely loved the journey. And I'm so passionate about this career and making sure that it's something that um, I can do really successfully and maybe show my children a path into real estate as well. I think it's such a great industry to be in, so much opportunity. Um, And it's, look, there's never, never a dull day. And so just tell us a little bit about the business. What do you do? So we work with investors and we help our investors build wealth through property. Yep. We predominantly, we pro- we manage their property um, right. through um, assessing their risk profile. We can help them purchase additional property. Yep. Um, and we also help them sell any underperforming property as well. Okay. So it's all really about focusing in on investors. Fantastic. Oh, that's very exciting. It is. It really is. And I actually should tell everybody that that we have all got you to thank for Rod Fitzgerald being part of the Property Girls and um, and Lang and Simmons. That's right. I did. I yes. did. I tended you up, didn't I? Yes, you, you got you together. You certainly did. I was um, talking to Penelope on the phone one day after my event manager had walked out mm. on me and you said, oh, Oh, my goodness. I've got the person you need to meet and um, the rest, as they say, is history. Yes, and he was so, the perfect man. The perfect man for you. He was the yes, perfect man. of your husband. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Man. So I will remain forever grateful for that. No problem. My pleasure. Um, so you have always struck me as somebody who is very comfortable with courageous conversations and dealing with conflict head on. Look, it's interesting that you say that, and I guess that is my persona. Um, I am extrovert, but I think I am less comfortable with the fact that if I didn't have a conversation about something and an issue got out of control or became bigger than was necessary, I would feel very uncomfortable about that. So it's more about assessing a situation on balance and thinking, okay, if I take this on head on now, I think I can nip it in the bud and then it won't spiral out of control or there'll be no ripple effect through um, an agency or an organisation. I think it's um, really important for leaders in an organisation to speak up um, if there's a courageous conversation that needs to happen. I think leaders that stay quiet because they're not quite sure how to handle it, there is too much of that that happens and then the the effects on that are devastating. Yeah. Two things that happen. First of all, that's a top-down approach. So then other people in the organisation feel that it's okay to remain quiet and yep. it, the conversation ends up being about people as opposed to two people. Yeah. Um, and I also think that if if you don't say anything, people start having conversations with themselves around what they think is going on yep. and you believe the story that you tell yourself. You so do. then you've got all these other people in an organisation um, thinking that things are going on. There's all the different narrative and as a leader you lose control of the narrative if yep. you don't take the proactive approach and just take something head on. So I try to tackle things um, quickly and yep. efficiently. I don't always do that, but yep. that's always my aim and it's to stop something worse happening down the line. Yeah, that's a really smart way of, um, of doing it because we do, we all avoid difficult conversations um, from time to time, but you're right, it does tend to get worse and the conversations, if you deal with that up front, you can resolve things um, much more quickly and move on. You can and look, we often have to deal with investors and have difficult conversations about you know, sure. having to spend money that they didn't have to. Sure. And, you know, not 
all investors are really flush with money. No. And they're Despite in- what Bill Shorten thinks. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not bring politics into that, but I tend to agree. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we always act really quickly and the truth is always the best path for us. It's not the easiest path, yeah. but you just really need to educate and keep on explaining the reasons why they have to either spend money or we have to get rid of a tenant who they perceive as being really being good. good. Or even sell a property, a property that is just not returning That's right. the yield that it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they even have an emotional connection to property, sure. Um, even if it's an investment. But you, you really need to. That's that's our job. That's what we get paid for, right? Yeah. To advise our clients on the best ways forwards, and it's not always easy, you know. And if you lose a client because you were authentic and you were upfront and direct, and you told them what you thought needed to happen, then so be it. But it's best if you maintain that integrity with how you operate, yeah. Um, as opposed to try and cut corners or tell half truths. Yeah, absolutely. And it's much easier to remember the truth than it is to remember a lie, right? <laughs> That's why I tell my children. Yeah. They still seem to lie. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, they are seven. Nine and no, they're not. They're eight, nine, and fourteen. Fantastic. Yes. And how do you manage three kids with <sighs> with alcohol? Business? Yeah. Can I say with that alcohol? You yeah. certainly can. Hello, it's me you're talking to. <laughs> Look, it is. It is. Um, it is tricky. Yeah. And I've found that there's uh, a lot of challenges with children. And as I've got a teenager now, yes. having courageous conversations with him has been difficult. I've had the conversation, which yep. was. Um, I think more embarrassing for him than it was for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I apply. This- oh, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that <laughs> oh, one. Oh, goodness. But I try and apply the same authenticity I do in my work with my children. And yep. it's just, we're just up front and I just call it how it is. Yep. And I don't think you can tiptoe around matters that as they become teenagers, you can't really tiptoe around matters like, um, you know, online bullying and alcohol and drugs. And, Absolutely. You know, you really need to talk about those soon. Yep. Um, and and clear the air and make sure they know that they can come and talk to you um, if they need to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and from a time perspective, how are you finding that, you know, I, I don't believe in work-life balance. I don't think it exists. Um, I think maybe a work-life integration is um, is the way we need to look at it. I, I call it a harmony, yeah. so work-life harmony. Yeah. So we're, we've, now we've got the business, and that was another reason that we started this business because my husband works long hours and, and travels yeah. a lot, so we needed one parent who could be constantly be more flexible. And yeah. I am. I'm here now. So I get up early. I don't you know. I know you get up early and you're at the yeah. gym at like 4.30. Uh, not quite. Well, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but I get up early. And yep. I clear all my emails and yep. send out things that need to happen for the day. Yep. And then I'm with my children, get them ready for school, kick them out the door. Yep. Um, and then I'm I'm back to work. Yep. Um, oh, and I exercise in between. I go to the gym every day. Yeah, and right. that's because not because I'm, you know, I want to be amazing or have, you know, any kind of accolades around going to the gym. I do it for my mental health. Yes. And I think that discipline is so important. There's no way I could run my company, look after my children and my household and my family and my friendship groups yep. if I didn't exercise. Yep. I want to put that in because I just think it's so important. I completely agree with you. As you know, I've been an exercise person for a really long time and I think um, um, people underestimate the power that exercise has on the way that you feel, the way that you feel mentally and the way that you feel about yourself. Absolutely. And yep. it gives you, it energizes you. Yeah. You know, the endorphins when you finish at the gym. And I don't necessarily enjoy it. No. But I love how I feel after I've done it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I actually remember, have you read um, Chris Helder's book, Useful Beliefs? Yes. So I was, um, I was lying in bed the other morning thinking, I just don't want to go to the gym. I'm not going to enjoy it. I hate this class. And I thought, now, Leanne, that is not useful. 
That is not a useful <laughs> belief. And so I thought to myself, right, you are going to feel so much better after. Yeah. Uh, then I got out of bed and I went. So I must send Chris a message and thank him for that. Yeah. Well, it's because you believe the story you tell yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You so do believe the story you tell yourself. Absolutely. I think if you, you know, we're going into a difficult conversation or a courageous conversation. You yep. can catastrophize it and say, well, what, this is going to happen and yep. I'm going to lose the client. and Or you can say, I know I'm doing the right thing by my client yep. and I'm going to have this conversation and then whatever consequences there are, we'll deal with it. Yeah. But you have to back yourself from the beginning yep. and tell yourself you're doing the right thing. And so that that's such a powerful attitude to have, particularly in today's real estate market, when people have got to have pricing conversations, whether they be with landlords or with um, vendors. There are some agents out there that are still trying to justify the prices when in reality the prices have fallen in some parts of Sydney they you know, by almost 20%. So you have to actually put your big girl pants on and, um, and have those really honest conversations with people. You do. And the main thing to think about having those price adjustment conversations is they need to be done really early. They do. So even when you're pitching for business, you could even play out a scenario where you can say, look, we had this house down the road and the price was down. Now we, you know, we started that conversation early. So when you do have that price adjustment conversation, it isn't out of the blue. It's not so scary. Exactly. And you have a better outcome. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, you gave me an example before about a difficult or awkward, uh, awkward conversation well, you had to it, have at work. Yes. It, well, for me, it was a courageous conversation yeah. because I felt really uncomfortable having it. Yep. So I was the general manager of um, some agencies and some real estate agencies and we had this lovely receptionist. She had only been with us for a few months and she was young, but she just wanted to impress. She did everything she could to learn and to understand the ropes and as the director of first impressions, she was was just presented so immaculately and had this gorgeous smile that lit up the reception. Mm. She did everything right. And after a few months, we noticed this terrible smell in reception. Um, every time we would walk in and we couldn't put our finger on it and we're lighting candles and um, we had fresh flowers brought in and we're trying to do everything. And, and, and she'd been there for a while, so there was there no smell. And then the, No, yeah. there was okay. nothing. It just kind of, I thought there was like a dead rodent somewhere. Oh, under the, gosh. It was okay. that kind of smell. Yeah. Um, anyway, this went on for a couple of days and couldn't work out what it was. And then one of the team members came to me and they said, look, I think it's the receptionist. And I was like, no, really? Like, she looked so angelic and it just I didn't think that that smell could radiate from someone. But <laughs> anyway, that afternoon I sat down mm. with her um, and I, I was so uncomfortable having this conversation with her because I yeah. knew that she would feel very embarrassed and I sure. needed to be really delicate about it. But I also knew if I didn't do something, you know, immediately, then other people would start talking. Well, that's the thing, right? Uh, there would be a lot of people that would slowly work out it was probably her yes. and um, and they would be talking behind her back and that would have been even more embarrassing. Absolutely. And that was definitely not the culture that we had in that organisation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I sat down with her and like the praise sandwich, I told her everything about <laughs> how amazing she was and what she was doing well in the organisation. Yeah. And then I just asked, you know, have you had a change in your diet or your lifestyle recently because this smell, there's a smell in the reception. And anyway, it turns out that she had been very stressed and for her adrenals, people had, someone had told her to chew raw garlic. And over a few days, it must have just permeated through her skin and, and that's what the smell was. And yeah, she was right. completely unaware. Yeah. So she, she was mortified. I can only I, imagine. Um, and, and as was I, I think we yeah. both sat in the room looking at each other, but you know, she picked herself up. She took a day off. Yep. She came back to work. She'd stopped chewing the garlic. Um, and we all moved on with our life. Yep. And I think that it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a minor thing, but it, it would have meant a lot to her that we just dealt with it quickly. Absolutely. But massively on. difficult to, oh. 
to actually raise with somebody. It's yes. so uncomfortable. Of course it is. You know, you know when, especially when you care about someone mm. that you're talking to and someone yep. who's young and impressionable, you know, you didn't – but to all her credit, she yep. just – she came back and she sat there and she rebooted um, and moved on and, you know, and it's done. And every yep. time you have a difficult conversation, you know that you've got a little bit more armour to yep. do it the next time. It's, you know, I know probably someone's probably said this, but it's that muscle that you have to keep doing and you yep. have a difficult conversation, you grow a little bit yep. and then you're like, okay, right, I can do that. I can do what this. can I do next? Yeah. So it's this um, – it's almost – something that you you want to do and it's this this feeling that you have of you know wow you know is there anything i can't do yeah um i've i've said yes to a friend's uh, 40th birthday which is trekking in nepal in october for <gasps> oh, 18 wow. days yes i didn't i don't know how i said yes to that but no. that's a really difficult thing for me to do yes um i don't like the cold at all no and i don't even own a pair of trekking boots i don't no. think i've been on a trek i don't know how i'm do gonna you do like it. walking um, like to the bar, yes. <laughs> Which is why we get on. This is why we get on. <laughs> but I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. But you know what? I'm wow. going to do it because yeah, it's important you. to her yep. that I was there. And so I just said yes. And so we'll see how that goes. Lee wants me to get a GoPro on my head so we can. I definitely think. Yeah. And you need to be Facebook Live. I will be Facebook yeah. Live or Facebook Live that completely. Yeah, but totally. It's, it's about doing, mm. saying yes. Sometimes you have to move out of comfort into a courageous situation sure. and then just say yes. And then when you grow and then it gives you that platform to take on bigger and better challenges. And yep. isn't that why we're here as people yep. to be the best versions of ourselves? And if you, yep. you say no or you hide behind your fear or if you, you don't extend yourself on what your capabilities are, then you're not doing everything you can to have the best life possible. No, you're living a small life, aren't you? Are. you? Yeah, I can. Your, uh, your friend Rod Fitzgerald has pushed me out of my comfort zone many times when he has gets he? me involved in ridiculous oh, yes. things for our annual <laughs> awards dinner. I mean, you know, for me, the idea of singing in front of people was absolutely horrifying. But what, what about when you were caught, like when you did that dancing? Yeah, and they I know. You, like no one puts baby in the corner. You did that. Totally, I loved that though. Oh, I that mean, was who amazing. Wouldn't? No, yeah. that photo was my screensaver on my computer for a very long time. <laughs> was it? <laughs> You're too funny. You're swan diving <laughs> up in the stage. Yeah, it is. It's it's so important, yeah. and that it's. It's that addictive nature of um, feeling really proud of something that you've achieved um, and also helping other people to achieve that. So, exactly. you know, coaching yeah. other people to move out of their comfort zone and to just try something little like doing yep. – I'm helping someone at the moment who's just been um, – She's been, been promoted and she has to have meetings with her team and do some public speaking. And she said, the thought of doing that makes me want to actually quit my job. And she's considering wow. it. So I'm taking her to Toastmasters with me. Fantastic. And I said, just, just sit there and watch and yep. baby steps will get you to a stage because everyone can public speak. Yep. It's about getting over that enormous fear of, of speaking. You know, what's the worst? And what's the worst that people have a fear of being judged? Yes. That's, that's true. Um, that's really what that's all about, apparently. Um, yeah, you just have to get over yourself and just what's the worst that can happen? Well, you get judged by complete strangers. Who cares, right? Who, absolutely. If you don't value the person, you don't value the feedback. That's right. Yes. I'm going to T-shirt with that on. That That's a great saying. Yeah. That yes. sounds like something Rick Russian would say. That is absolutely where that came from. <laughs> oh, I feel like he's here in the room. I wish he was. <laughs> yes, you and me both, don't we all? I'll we have do. to have him on the podcast actually. That's a good idea. I definitely will. Um, and now you were also mentioning um, Brene Brown's 
um, Netflix special. Netflix, yeah. Yes. So why do you think that's important in the context of this conversation? Because I think that she's got it right. I think that there's a direct correlation between vulnerability and courage. Yep. And people, um, you know, especially men, feel that they, they can't ever be vulnerable. They just have to be strong and courageous and keep a stern face. But yep. I think it's really important that people realise that you can't be courageous without having a vulnerability. Yep. Because if you if you have no vulnerability, then what you're doing is not courageous. You're just, you know, you're just spearheading into things and you're not actually growing because you have a massive ego and you feel that you can achieve everything. But doing courageous things is when you have a fear factor and you have a, a deep sense of vulnerability around exposing yourself for failure. Yeah. And then if you push through that and you actually succeed, that's when the magic happens yep, and exactly. that's when you start growing as an individuality, as an individual. And Brene's um, talk in, at Netflix, her presentation, just articulate that so beautifully. If anyone hasn't watched it, I can't recommend enough that you yep. take 45 minutes out of your life. And the stories that she tells, she's an exceptional storyteller. Yep. And the way she tells these stories about how she's seen dramatic growth in people because they've made this connection with actually I can, I can be fearful of things I, I can be afraid of failure or afraid of um, someone judging me but being able to push through that and then to achieve these great things and it doesn't mean that it's great for everyone she talks about as you know her daughter who um, went in a swim um, swimming carnival and she didn't she really didn't want it because she was a bad swimmer but her, like Brene's like all you need to do is finish yeah. and that's your win that's you winning and that's you succeeding. And I think people get sometimes so hung up on what does success look like, you know? Exactly. Do you have to be the best? Do you have to win everything? It's about your personal growth and your yep. personal best. So, you know, don't go into things thinking that you you have to beat everybody else. You don't. You just have to beat yourself. And when you do that, that's when you start growing and you start seeing these amazing transformations within yourself. And that's where happiness comes from, you know, because your, your happiness is controlled by the quality of, of your thoughts. So if you're thinking, wow, I actually did something really good or I helped somebody or look what I achieved, I didn't think I could do that, then you get this, this buzz of joy. Yep. And that's, that's like, I think that's what life is about. Yeah, I completely agree. And that is probably the perfect time to actually close off our conversation. I think that was a beautiful end. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Lovely Fantastic. to catch up. Great. Well, I'll definitely be back for the um, the special series. Yeah, the special series, Champagne Friday. We're going to be calling the next second series of this these podcasts. So I'm glad you've recorded in. that. So now it has to happen. <laughs> exactly. It does. Thanks, Leanne. <laughs> Bye.